0: All right, well, at this time, we are. I'll wait. Waiting. We are going to dismiss our children for junior church. And the rest of us are going to open to the book of James for a couple minutes. All right. The book of James. I think. I think. I'm just getting in the place, and I, I asked you. Or I thanked you for patience there um, earlier in the service. I think I'm in that place, just to just to start really now settling into it, and that takes time, right? That takes. Uh, I didn't go and write down how many chapters. Like I know how many chapters there are, but verses and and words that you have to work through and outlines and. Um, well, you can ask Chris. I mean, I got I got probably close to 200 hours uh, into the book of James, just just front to beginning, right? Just grasping it. So this this is a study, and uh, I mean, last week you remember me sharing there from a, one of my mentors and his. Concern. I mean, here's a man in his early 70s. His concern is, why is the, the pastor the only one that knows how to study? That's a real concern um, for, for today's day and age. And that's part of the reason why, why we're doing the booklets and, and why we continue to put through that. But uh, I'm going to pray and uh, just share one other, I'm going to say, statement um, that God laid on my heart and uh, then we're going to work through this text and, and the text is going to speak for itself and we understand it the challenge is there and the response is committed to the people and uh, that's a pretty serious thing right? but that's, that, that's our task is, is to study and understand the text so dear Heavenly Father, Lord just as we step into this text um, Lord, I pray that you would just connect these dots Lord, you would just allow allow your truth to speak Lord, yes, you've called me here to, to do the digging, Lord, to do the outlining, to look at the concordances and the lexicons, but Lord, there's, there's also a responsibility of the people to study too. Lord, there's a responsibility of the people to pass on to the next generation how to study. And that's not something that we learn in, in the 30 minutes Sunday mornings. That's, that's something that has to be fostered and disciplined and 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 it just has to be such an important thing so i pray again that you would connect these dots that your word would speak there would be no confusion and lord if there are questions that your people would be hungry to dig and find the answers lord and i pray that you would just help me as as i I lead through this time and i pray these things in your name amen so with James in front of me, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I've never brought an iPad into the pulpit. A lot of guys preach from it, so I'm kind of nervous about this. should die at any time. Um, but uh, this, is kind of, this is something there Tuesday morning in the quiet, quiet that God had me write when I sit in my chair. and It says this. Ask a question for those that know a lot about the Bible. So I hear that a lot. Like people that know a lot about the Bible. This would be a young man, like I hear that a lot, know a lot about the Bible. This question may stump you. So I want you to be, be, be right on But This question may stump you. It's extremely difficult, it may frustrate you, and it may be, make you mad. Here is the question that is one of the most important, if not the most important part, that must be known by any and all who know the Word of God. All right, one of the most important questions. Are you ready? How do your children study the Word of God and seek Christ? That's one of the most important questions. As you know the Word of God, the, 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 <laughs> the question is, how do your children know, seek, and study? How have you passed on, equipped, shown, Disciple the lives entrusted to you with the love that you have for the Word of God. How have you passed that on? How has that knowledge and ability to study influenced your church family? Raised up godly families? How has that passed on? Thoughts to ponder. Knowing things does not spiritually grow things. I believe that that is why in many cases, we have empty pews. We either don't know how to study or we don't study. We either want it laid out easy and bare or we don't care. And what does that do? Say, so it spiritually removes the following generation. Right? That they don't know how to feed themselves, they don't know how to study. The church is to read and study our Bibles failure in this area and just a reflection i mean three and a half years ago people were coming to the service without bibles failure to read and study failure in this area is never god's fault it's never the prophet's fault it's never the messenger's fault it's never the apostle or preacher's fault it's always on the people to train that next generation how to study the word of god we looked at that saturday morning's my intentions is to send us home with the verses, is not to send us home with just a verse to think about, but a text. To go home, dust off your concordances, and spend time with the text itself. Because we're seeing today what happens when churches don't study. Now it's good for the pastor to study, but the pastor can't study for the people. Right? The people have to dig and, and, and grapple and, and grasp with this. So with that being said, with James in front of us, we're just going to work through the booklet. It's going to, to help us, and, and this is where I've kind of rested last week. I was kind of looking at the text, and I understand that it might have been a little confusing, but, but that was with all the scriptures that, that even, even considered to be connected, and then, then we outline it. So with James open, I want you to keep your finger there, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 10. And if you, you have the booklet in front of you, um, I've put it right there so that we don't get lost in the turning. But in Matthew chapter 10, we find Jesus sending out the 12 apostles, um, but we see Jesus laying out the the fundamentals here, I mean, of what to expect. Matthew chapter 10, just beginning in verse 16. What to expect, how the world's going to receive you. Um, You know, when when you're joining Jesus' team, guess what? This is what you are going to face you're going to suffer, right? You're going to be put on trial. You're going to, to have, have persecution. And that basically, whenever we, we open our mouths for Christ, guess what, today even, we're posed. I mean, I, I know from my own church family, you sit down with a, a counselor from school, right? And you speak, speak truth. You try and share, well, no, that's not what we agree with. Guess what? You're crazy. They disagree with you. They even go over you with their authority because you're you're presenting something that does not make sense to them. So so we understand this pressure. And these apostles, and and as James is writing, it is to the, the brethren, the ambassadors that are representing Christ, they understood what they were being called to. And in verse 16, it says, Behold, I send you out. Now, who's the you? You are these 12 here. You are these ambassadors that are going out to represent Christ and speak as the Spirit leads them. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpent, know know when to run, know when to remove yourself from the situation, and harmless as doves. But beware of men and women. Let's not remove the opposite sex here. Women can be vicious as well. But beware of men and women For they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake. Whose sake? For Christ's sake. The king's sake. The Savior's sake. As a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. And we're going to pause there. And then the idea there that's grasping here is these these. Why does a Christian go through suffering? Why are these ambassadors facing these various trials? And it's for Christ's sake. It's for a testimony. Right? It's bearing witness of, of, of who he is to them and the Gentiles. As James himself, right, as he's writing this book from Jerusalem, he was a pillar in the Jerusalem church in this A.D. 44 to, to A.D. 50 time. As James himself endures through the hardships, trials, and sufferings for Christ in Jerusalem, just a quick side note, there's even a, a war that's being fought in this time between the king of Nabatea and, and, and Judea. I mean, there's an animosity going on. He reminds the sent out apostles and ambassadors that each of them had been called to this very thing, to suffer as a testimony of Christ. And there's so many applications for us. Various trials, um, pressures, politics, times, seasons. We're doing it for Christ. Christ is displaying himself through us. So we are going to take time. If you've got that there booklet um, beside you there, we're just going to work through. And and it's not overcomplicated. And this shouldn't take us very long to work through this booklet. I'm just going to read. So here in this text... It says, all joy esteem it, brothers of me. When testing of character, you might fall into. All right, and we understand sentence structure here. The diverse, uh, fall into. Now this would be the booklet that was on the table this morning. Okay, Sorry, the, it's, it's stapled, it's not the actual book. So all joy esteem it, brothers of me. And if you don't have one, just put your hand up and uh, Edward, will, Edward will pass one out to you. All joy, esteem it, brothers of me, when testing a various testing of character you might fall into, knowing, now this would be our, our word, and I always think of Neil, and we did this last time, knowing with experience, ganasco, right? Knowing with experience, knowing with experience that test you, that divine faith brings out endurance in difficulty. Now we're just going to pause there and talk here for a second As the apostles were being sent out, as the ambassadors of the early church after Pentecost were being sent out, were they going out with this message of Christ on their own? No. They had the Spirit. right? They had the Holy Spirit indwelling them. They They were attached to what? I'm thinking John chapter 15. They were attached to the vine. They had a direct connection to Christ as they went out. Right? And we understand in John 15, because we covered it a couple weeks ago, without me you can do nothing. So as these ambassadors are going out with the various trials, they, they what were, they were abiding in Christ, they were, they were serving, but it was, it was Christ doing it through them. Fascinating. So this faith was them connected, trusting in, um, leaning on, committing themselves to Christ that they were connected to. So knowing with experience that the test you that this vine faith being connected to Christ brings about endurance in difficulty. How do you know? <laughs> how do you know that you're connected to the vine? How do you know that you're spiritually in fellowship with Christ? Well, oftentimes it's how you handle problems, isn't it? Or it's how you allow Christ to lead you through things like your mom rolling her car at five o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, right? I mean, it, 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 it's responding that way. I mean, the first thing I did, she called me four minutes later, was pray. And then rapidly, now don't picture me on my knees and take 20 minutes in prayer. I was praying as I grabbed my boots and my heavy coat, running for the car. But I didn't know what I was going to find, Right? For me, this was a, a serious test of my faith. And, and when I got there, I still didn't know what to find. When the, the, the fire died, I didn't know what to expect. But this was something that God was revealing to myself as well as the people I was interacting with. You know what, Lord, I'm connected with you. Or I'm connected to the source, and he led me through that. And that's the idea here, knowing with experiences, here we go, Lord, um, help me through this. But it's not just me, other people are watching how are you so calm in this? It's not just I can't do anything about it, so I might as well throw my hands up. No, the Lord is leading us through this. And this is the same principle. These uh, ambassadors for Christ under, understood from Jesus' teaching and preparation that, that he would lead them through these things. They're attached to the vine. If there's no sin, they're attached to the vine, and he would lead. He would speak. He would, he would bring them through these, these ministry opportunities. Verse four, this or and this, endurance and difficulty, it it has its perfect work. It, it grooms us, so that you may be perfect. Some translations say mature, and this is talking about spiritual maturity and complete in nothing lacking. So this idea is these apostles are being brought before governors and kings and trials and going through persecutions, right? They're, they're growing themselves as they, they bear witness of Christ. They're, they're growing as the Spirit leads them through that. But they're, they're being a testimony for Christ's sake here, right? They're, they're presenting the gospel. They're affirming um, what they have been called to. And just very, very simply, I mean, it does sound a little bit like God pruning them through these things, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But just as I say, Jeremy's translation, just as I've worked through the different definitions, I read this text understanding, all joy esteem brothers of me, when diverse testings of character you may fall into, because knowing with experiences that test you or test of you, the faith, Right, of the apostles, of the ambassadors that are t- attached to Christ brings about endurance and difficulty. Then you're able to handle more. Right? I mean, you don't just start out ready to to to, to bend before the executioner. You it grows, the spirit develops that in you. So as you, you go through the experiences, it brings about endurance and difficulty. And this endurance in difficulty has perfect work. It rubs off the the rough edges. It grooms us for more. So that you may be spiritually mature and complete in nothing lacking when you stand before men bearing witness of Christ. I think we could all think of at least one believer who's not spiritually mature. We could probably all think of one situation in our life where where you're watching, and let's say tragedy or brokenness, or maybe, maybe a spouse is as, as anyway, we, we won't get into that, but just and they begin losing their minds. There's nothing leading them there, there's no grooming there. there, there's no spirit connection, and, and sin breaks that fellowship. So the application from this text is, is very simple. As we're going through various trials and pressures it's grooming us but people are watching us as we go through let's say this covid season what have people been seeing who have we been displaying when we have those discussions let's say at the grocery store are we are, are we representing christ um, when we have the public that's that's pushing against things that we strongly believe in Right? Are they seeing Christ? Are, they buried? Are we bearing witness of Christ? Do we authenticate Christ? With our fingers still in, in Matthew chapter 10, I'd like to read verse 19 as we move into verse 5 of this. Matthew 10, 19. Again, the apostles, this wasn't a secret to them. Right? These ambassadors sent out into the known world at that time after Pentecost. It says, but when they deliver you up. Right? It's talking about ambassadors. It's talking about believers. It's talking about believers that are sent. And we're all called to be sent out and be used of Christ. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. I will remember last week there when I was looking at that sentence structure, and I'm like, who is the who? Who is the giving? What, what is going on here And this, this, this giving, this implanted word, this, this asking and, and having the, the words given to you in those moments, it clarifies this. With the Greek text in verse 5 in the persecution, it says, but if any of you, talking about the ambassadors, is deficient in wisdom or understanding as you're going through these situations, and that fits. But as you're standing before the governors and counselors and you don't, you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, if you're deficient in it, guess what you're supposed to do? Let him ask from who gives, right, God all without reservation. And just drawing from that what Jesus had told them was going to happen in that persecution, guess what? God was going to give them who? The Spirit. He was going to give them the message through the Spirit. Right? And that, that makes sense as you look it through this. And we see that wrestling last week. What? This is, this is a, a different structure in this sentence. Okay, And, and, and in, in the context of persecution and trials... Let him ask from who gives, and that's God who gives through the Spirit, all without reservation, but not in reproach or shame. But if that individual, if that ambassador isn't enduring that suffering or is trying to to disobey and get out of it, guess what? They're not going to get that revelation from God. They're not going to get that, that word. They're not going to, in that shame, they're not, they're not going to receive that. So that the person there that is enduring, that is asking, that is going to, to suffer in front of kings and governors, it will be given to him. Right, That, that word, that spirit. Verse 6, again with this, this context of, of the various trials and, and being called upon there to represent Christ. Request, however, in faith. Right? And that's that vine faith. That's connected. That's knowing that Christ is leading you through that. In not even one thing separating oneself. Is it easy to go through suffering? No. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that my, I know my tendency and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to say pretty sure of myself, sometimes leaning more towards the pride side. But when things get hard, guess what? I want to get gone. I, I, I want the easy path. I, I, I don't want to endure. I don't want to stand before that, that, that council. I don't want to stand before that. Um, I very quickly become non-confrontational. I don't want to be part of this. But here he's calling on them. right? Request in faith and not even one separating oneself. Not trying to remove, not trying to, to, to leave behind, not trying to hide from it. For he who separates himself is like a wave of the sea being blown by the wind and being tossed by the wind. So that person that's trying to get out of that suffering, they're just, just, just being driven around. It's just, it's just chaos for them. And I think we could recognize that. I mean, I know COVID isn't the end of the world, but we've seen believers all over the road map on everything since in the last two years, have we not? I mean, we, we have seen very unchristian responses from pastors and leaders from churches where you're going whoa that they are not reading their bibles here right vaccines vaccine passports i mean everybody's got opinions over it but it's definitely like people being driven and tossed with the wind isn't it and why is that Right? It's because they're not, they're not settling themselves. They're not centering themselves. They're not facing whether it's the political pressures or the public pressures or all the other pressures. They're not, they're not saying, Lord, we're asking You. We're attaching ourselves to the vine. We're, we're allowing You to lead us through this. And we see that contrast. Being given the answers and leading through the various trials or, and we see the damage that's caused through that. I mean, that was very important for these sent-out ambassadors back then, right? We must speak for Christ. We must center ourselves on Christ. Verse 7, for not suppose, and this is for the man that's trying to get out, get out trying to disobey what God's calling him to do, trying to remove himself from, from this suffering, this persecution. For not suppose he, that man, that he will take hold or receive of anything from the Lord. Uh, God's not going to be able to use him if he's trying to get out of that situation he's called him to. If he's trying to get out of that various trial, get out of that that specific task that he's calling that ambassador of Christ to to step into. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all the ways of himself. We catch that flow we catch that flow the context is and i'll just read it through just so we grasp what this is saying but if any of you context persecution is deficient in wisdom and understanding let them ask from who gives god the spirit all without reservation but not in reproach um, not in shame not trying to to remove themselves and it will be given to him however request in vine faith connected with Christ, in not even one thing separating oneself from. For he that separates himself is like a wave of the sea being blown and tossed by the wind. For not suppose he that man that he will take hold of anything from the Lord, a man double-minded, unstable in all the ways of him. When you're facing various trials and political pressures and and, and, and public pressures, and, and social pressures, and culture pressures, and education pressures. How important is it to be attached to Christ? You can't do anything without it. You can't do anything unless you're abiding in that vine. And it, it is so, so key for the church to understand, uh, especially in 2021. 2021. Another verse from Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Now, we understand as Matthew is recording it, and we looked last week a little bit at scribes. I mean, Jesus didn't necessarily say these things in sequence, right? These are teachings. Matthew is putting them together. I mean, when Jesus stood up on the hilltop, he preached for hours. He didn't just give us 20 verses, right? Does that make sense? Right? So Matthew, as the Spirit led him, put these things in. So as James is writing, around the same time, he's drawing from these same texts, these same teachings, these same records. Verse 38. And I mean, we, 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 we've looked at this many times. So we're just going to grasp this. This is the, 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 the part here. And he... Let's come back to verse 34. Jesus says to them, Do not think... Then I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Put that motto over a church door. <laughs> That's our outreach motto. <laughs> no, I'm not suggesting that. It's okay. But I mean, it, it, we know that, this, that the gospel causes problems. Right? We understand when we bear the sword, the word of God, it causes problems. right? The world does not bend to this. We do. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. I think we know that battle, don't we? When it comes to bending the knee to the word of God. Bending our knee to the one true king. Um, It's not just the fact that it's divisive, it draws the line. And we can't drag people over that line, right? They have to themselves submit to that line. And as these men are are going before governors and kings and boards and councils, guess what? It's enough in our human aspects. And I think of even the parenting side of things. When you have a a grown child, and because I was there, you have a grown child and you're saying, this is God's line. It's something to tremble at, isn't it? Because you desire with all your heart for them to respond, but... It's them that has to make that decision and respond. So he didn't come to bring peace. Verse 37 He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Right? If if they won't bend, if they won't, if they won't surrender and submit, um, they must be left behind. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Of me, this is the verse that I really want to grasp here, because the disciples understood this, right? He who finds his life will lose it. whether that's the rich man choosing the earthly pleasures of this world, whether it's the oh, I'm trying to think they're what we were, we were calling them not, sorry, not we when a, um, it was a podcast, the, the secret believers, right, choosing the things of this world. Right, trying to, trying, to, trying to play both sides of it, right? The, you, you live for this life, guess what? It says you are going to lose it. There's going to be consequences in the kingdom. There's going to be consequences when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He who, <clears throat> pardon me, he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life in this life will find it. People died in the early church all the time. Christ's ambassadors were killed for representing Christ. There's a reason why the church was continually dispersed. Because the world opposed it. And that's what these ambassadors, these, these believers, were, were facing on a day in, day out. And James is addressing this. So with our what we'll come over to verse 9. Where it says, however, and this is just with verse 39 in mind, he who finds his life... Will lose it. So you have the, the, the you, you live for this life and you will be, you'll be depressed. You, you'll be lowered in, in standing. You'll, you'll lose it. However, exalt the brother, he lowly in status, in the high raised position of him. Context is still suffering. So he who loses his life in this life because he's committed all to Christ. Right? He's he, he surrendered to the suffering. He's surrendered to, to representing Christ. He's going to receive that high position. He finds it. Right? And, and it's just such a, a, a beautiful principle. But the rich man, in the downfall of him, choosing to live this life, choosing to, to take hold of the earthly things, in the downfall of him, because like a flower of grass, he will pass away. For as has risen the sun with its burning heat and withered the grass and the flower of it has fallen and the beauty of the appearance of it has perished. Thus also the rich man choosing to live for this life in the midst of the pursuits of him will fade away. Very clearly from that, that, that principle in 39. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I think we grasp grasp that. Matthew 10, verse 22. Why we keep, keep moving. Suffering and persecution for Christ. Um, don't flee. Don't flee from the suffering. Don't flee from what God is calling you to endure. Right? And I mean, that makes sense. If God's calling me to stand before a governor and preach Christ and I choose not to do it because I know it's going to be hard, is that sin? I mean, it's disobedience. If God asks me to step into a a school system, let's say we're addressing, because we remember this from the states, right? The parents were stepping up to to stand before a council that is preaching, let's say, homosexuality in the the kids' curriculum. And And I know it's going to cause me problems. And I know the Spirit is leading me to do that. If I don't do that, is that sin? Yeah, it's sin. It's disobedience. I'm, I'm denying God's call on my life. And as Jesus is preparing and, and as James is writing to these ambassadors, uh, verse 21 and 22 again with that, it's placed before you. The Spirit is going to lead through you through it. You're attached to the vine. You're going to be given the words to say, Matthew 10, 21 says, Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and the father his child, and children will raise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. It's a physical consequence going on here, isn't it? And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. As you're standing up for Christ, as you're you're being that ambassador, as you're speaking for Christ, you're going to be hated by all, for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be will be saved. Saved from what? Let's look at the text this morning, coming down through. Blessed is the man who endures. Now, I have a concordance. Found out, Glenn has a concordance. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure we have concordances kicking around here. But you, you you look up these words, and Dustin, we'll just get it on our phone. It takes two seconds. We've been doing that Sunday nights with Bible Hub. Um, but blessed is the man who endures or holds one's ground, right? stands his ground against enticement to sin. Right? Now, without removing this, this is context. We're looking at the various trials, what the ambassadors are called to, and that idea is fleeing from that, fleeing from what God's called us to do. Because having been approved, he will take hold of the crown of life, or the crown, the life, that he has promised to those loving him. Just pause there for a second. Because there are crowns for suffering, are there not? All right, we know that. Um, there, are, there are inheritance, there are rewards, and this crown of life is, is, is us Sacrificing our, ourselves in this life, you know, losing this life and finding our life in the next. This is, this is a, a payment, this is a reward that's given to those who fully commit themselves to that sacrifice for Christ now. So, blessed is the man who holds his ground against the enticement of sin to, to not run, right, not deny. He allows himself to just, okay, Lord, you, you lead me through this and I'll speak as, as you call on me to speak. Because, having been approved, he will take hold of the crown of life that he has promised. Who's the he? Christ, right? The king. Right, what did Matthew 10.22 say? You will be hated all for, for, by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Right? There's, there's the, the life that's coming. There's the judgment seat. You're going to receive that crown. He has promised to those loving Him. That sounds an awful lot like abiding in the vine, doesn't it? Can you love Jesus and not be walking in obedience? Not biblically. I mean, I can buy the, the bumper sticker and say I love Jesus and listen to, to music and, 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 and carry my Bible around. But, but if you are living in sin, if you're not walking in obedience, you are cut off from the vine. And we'll read that in John 15. If you're not doing for Christ, guess what? There is broken fellowship. You are not attached positionally You're attached to Christ. I mean, we believe that. When you place your faith in Christ and what Jesus did on the cross for your sins, and and again, we we believe that instantly you receive the Spirit. You're regenerated and dwelt, adopted, and, and sealed. But then we have a lifetime of sanctification where we're called to obey and stay attached in that fellowship. If I'm not serving, if I'm living like the, the world, if I'm, if I'm doing whatever, guess what? It's pretty quiet on the spiritual side, isn't it? You can read the verses, but guess what? It's the Spirit that, that, that illuminates them. You can, you can go to the functions, but guess what? If there's sin in your life, you're not attached to that vine. Right? You're, you're, there's a, a broken spiritual fellowship, and, and the, the word even in here is, is dead. You're living as though you're spiritually dead. You're just like the, the world. Makes sense. It's a condition of the church that we're really concerned about. You can't live in the world and say that you love and are abiding in Christ. And I think we would agree with that, right? Verse 13, no one being enticed to sin, and, and it's tempting to remove this from, from that context of, of standing before governors and, 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 and answering God's call to be persecuted. Because everybody, like I know me, there, I want to run, I, I'm enticed to flee, I'm enticed to, to avoid this. No one being enticed to sin says that by God I am being enticed to sin. God, God doesn't call, God, isn't God making you avoid that? Isn't God leading you, uh, you know, to say no to that circumstance? For God is unable to be enticed to sin by evil or evil things. And He Himself entices no one. A man, however, is enticed by the personal desire, being drawn away and being enticed. That's when you don't want to say yes to Christ and sending you in that situation. You don't want to, to speak when God is calling you to speak. Uh, I think of how many times it must have been hard for my own parents when I was living in sin. Right? In my own life choices. For them to, to, to say, no, Jeremy, this is the line. We are speaking for God. This is, this is what you have to return to. This is what declares you you guilty and separated from the vine. Not positionally, but in fellowship. That silence in your heart is because you've stepped away from that fellowship with Christ. Verse 15, Then the desire, having conceived, gives birth to sin. That's when you act. And the sin, having been fully grown, brings forth death. I'd like you just to turn to, oh, I got it at the bottom of the sheet, but those that don't have the sheet, John chapter 15. Such a, an important principle, because you can't sit in a pew, week after week, year after year, living in sin, right? With, and say that you love, say that you're abiding. You can't, can't not be doing, not be obeying, and say you're loving Christ and abiding, and and for these men being called to represent Christ and speak for Christ and and stand in the face of what the world's trying to do, they had to obey or they they found themselves separated. John chapter 15, verse 5 and 6. These words really should be memorized. I am the vine. Lord and Savior, Messiah King is speaking. You are the branches, the ambassadors, the believers, the ones representing him. He who abides in me continues, remains. He's talking about that spiritual fellowship, obedience, examining your hearts, repenting of sin. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. We looked at this there a number of months ago. This isn't talking about losing your salvation. This is talking about if you're not going to serve, if you're not going to stand up and speak when he calls you to speak, if you're not going to be found in obedience, you're removed from that spiritual fellowship. You're removed from that, that serving. And guess what? You become useless. Right? And, and, and you are removed. You are removed. There's a broken spiritual fellowship. And that's that death. It brings forth death. That broken fellowship. That, that being removed. And this is a pretty serious thing, isn't it? These are believers. This isn't talking about heaven. This isn't talking about heaven and hell. And we saw that. If you look at the notes, and I encourage you, I highlighted a couple there, though. We looked at... Um, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, right, where God killed them as chastisement for lying to the Holy Spirit. They were believers. You don't play both sides of the line. 1 Corinthians 5 talks about casting that, that one living in sexual immorality to Satan for the destruction of the flesh he can't harm himself anymore from when he's standing. I mean, this is a serious thing. Don't play both sides of the fence. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, again, people that were were treating people with partiality and not observing the Lord's table, guess what? Many were sleeping. What does that mean? They were dying in chastisement. That's how serious this is. And the last part of James speaks that. So this is talking, don't flee don't flee from what God is calling to you. Don't, don't flee as ambassadors. When I call you to speak, speak. Suffer, go through those in enduring things. If you turn the page to point number five, the king promised upon approval the crown of life in his kingdom. James is saying to the brothers, don't go astray. Brothers, my beloved, the ambassadors, every good, ooh, that's a new word, Every good gift and every perfect gift from above, do you see that highlighted there? Coming down from the Father the light, with whom there is not variation or shifting shadow. And just contextually there, as their ambassadors are going through, what what were they continually promised? They are continually looking for the coming kingdom. They were continually looking for for Christ's return. That was the anticipation. Um, John chapter 14 uh, about preparing mansions, right? That he's going to return for them. The Jewish and Christian anticipation has always been the coming Christ, the coming Messiah. And that has to be ours too. James is calling on them to think about it. It's not about this life. It's about the king's return. It's about the coming kingdom. It's as you're going through these sufferings. right? Pardon me. It's about your place and position. It's about the inheritance. It's about the blessing. And that's why all these different texts that we've been looking at the last couple weeks there, it all has us, it's not about now. It's about then. That's how we're called to live this life too, is it not? Right, as we're going through the hardships, as, as we're called to speak in front of and whatever the crowd is, right as, as things get harder and harder and we think of that rubber band, it's not going to get any easier the way things are going. Guess what? It's supposed to and heap up or it's supposed to, to, to ramp up our anticipation of the Lord's return and what we're looking for in the next life. We read John chapter seven, or 15 earlier, so I'm going to ask you to look at John 17, verse 14, and this is how we're going to wind this down. And I mean, the text does, does speak for itself. When we're in John chapter 17, we need to attach ourselves To the vine for this suffering call. Now I've tried this morning to cover all bases. I think we're all either parents or grandparents, um, teachers, nurses, you know, like we're living in a world, this touches all of us, right? I mean, it's not just the pastor that's gonna stand up and speak for Christ. We're all called to be ambassadors. And this is such an important key thing that we're we need to be attached to that vine. And for these ambassadors that James is writing to in that time they understood that they were called as that first fruit sacrifice. Matthew chapter 10 it explains to them you are going to suffer you're going to be persecuted. I mean it's not going to be oh my word how did I get here it's like no you've been trained for this. In the Greek text there on your on your on your page on number 5 says according to his will He brought forth us, you see that? The apostles, ambassadors, the the believers of that time. He brought forth us by the word of truth into this state of, of being or into the being of, into the state of us, the first fruits, which speaks to the sacrifice, the beginnings of a sacrifice, a kind of, pardon me, let me start that over. We'll work through that. He brought forth us, by the word of truth, into this state of us, a kind of firstfruits, the hymn created. And you spend any time in there, and there, that is a really cool point there. Are we created on our own? No. Well, were, the, were the apostles created on our own? No. No, Christ, Christ chose the apostles, the ambassadors, where the, the 120 that were at Pentecost, those that were sent out, they were created by Christ. And this is all about the spirit and dwelling and regeneration. They were created for him for a specific tax. The same way each, each and every one of us is called to do. We were created as a suffering first fruit. We were created to obey the call in our lives. We were created to represent in the hardships and the trials. It says he brought us forth by the word of truth into the state of us as this sacrifice, kind of sacrifice, the hymn created. And just from the priestly prayer in John 17, this knits it together for us. Just write that down. I don't think I put that in there. John 17, verse 14. I have given them your word. How are, how are these ambassadors called out? By the word. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as i am not of the world they were hated they, they were brought forth by the word i do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil the evil of the world the, the evil that satan causes the things that draw us into that they are not of the world just as i am not of the world 17 sanctify them by your truth Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the the hating, rotten, (laughs) persecuting world. He sent them as that beginnings of a sacrifice. He sent them as as that, that ambassadors of Him. So according to His will, He brought forth us, the ambassadors, by the word of truth into the state of us, this first fruit sacrifice, the hymn created. Let's connect these dots then. And we're just going to read directly through. I'm not going to make any side comments and we'll grasp it. To the brethren, apostle, ambassadors for Christ, the spirit-led Christian suffering attached to the vine. All joy esteem, brothers of me, when diverse testings of character you may fall into. Because knowing with experiences that test you, the faith, that vine faith, brings about endurance and difficulty. And this endurance and difficulty, perfect work has. So that you may be spiritually mature and complete in nothing lacking. This speaks to your testimony. When, and when, when you stand and bear witness to Christ and the judgment seat. When you're standing before governors, kings, and councils, but if any of you is deficient in wisdom or understanding that I'm asked from who gives, God, right, gives, comma, God, through the Spirit, all without reservation, but not in reproach. And it will be given him. Request, however, in this faith, in not even one thing separating oneself from For he that separates himself is like a wave of the sea being blown and tossed by the wind. For not suppose he, that man, that he will take hold of anything from the Lord, a man double-minded, unstable in all the ways of him, when one loses his life and finds it. However, exalt the brother, he lowly in status and high position of him. But the rich man, held to earthly things, and the downfall of him, because like a flower of grass he will pass away. For the sun has risen with its burning heat and withered the grass, and the flower of it has fallen, and the beauty of the appearance of it has perished. Thus also the rich man in the midst of the earthly pursuits of him will fade away. Blessed is the man who endures the enticement to sin, right, to, to remove themselves. Because having been approved, he will take hold of the crown, the life that he has promised to those loving him. Knowing being enticed to sin says, by God I am enticed to sin. For God, unable to be enticed by sin, by evils, entices now he himself no one. A man, however, is enticed by the one desire, being by the own desire, being drawn away and being enticed. Then the desire, having conceived, gives birth to sin, and the sin, having become fully grown, brings forth death. Look to the kingdom. Do not go astray, brothers, my beloved. Every good gift and every perfect gift from above is coming down from the Father of light with whom there is not change or shifting shadow. According to His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth into this being of us or state of us as a kind of first-fruit sacrifice, the Him Created. Blessed is the man who endures, stands against this enticement to sin, because having been approved, I already read that, didn't I? I'm on the back page, okay. Thank you. Remember what we are promised to anticipate. We are to sacrifice ourselves like him for him. We will be given our wages, our place and position, inheritance, then, talking about the kingdom. Do not go astray, brothers, my beloved. Every good gift and every perfect gift from above is coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no chain, not change or shadow, shifting shadow. According to his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth into this state of us as a kind of first fruit sacrifice, the Him created. Um, sorry, that kind of caused a little bit there, but, it, but it's there before us. Suffering, uh, what we're called to do, and I don't want to belabor it because I'm going to worry over. But in 2021, what does this look like in our churches in North America? The idea of being called to represent Christ. The idea of being called to, to stand before and speak the word of God no matter what. Standing on the, the word we've been called apart and, and being attached to the vine. What does that look like in the churches of 2021? It's concerning, isn't it? Why is that? Why, why is the church in that state? Just a simple application from the text. Sin breaks spiritual fellowship with Christ. We understand that, right? You live in the world, sin breaks that spiritual fellowship. The sinning saint will not stand and suffer because they have separated themselves from Christ. We've covered a lot of verses there. But that's the, that's the text speaking, and, and we understand that we're not living in a day and age where many, many professing Christians are connected spiritually to that vine. And that's why we don't have the doing. We don't have the spiritual maturity. We don't have the, the, the men and women of all ages rising up and saying, no, this is the word of God and we will not move. We don't have that anymore. And that simply comes down to sin. Dear only Father, Lord, it, uh, it's an amazing text of Scripture. Lord, and again, we're just scratching the surface, but Lord, we understand what you had called those believers to and we understand what you're calling us to. This isn't an age thing. We don't graduate out of this, if anything, with, with our older years and, and more, more experience studying the Word of God, Lord, the, your, your words, your leading should be more evident. For us young ones, Lord, I pray that we would learn to listen. Lord, that we would look for examples of men and women that are faithful, attached to the vine, speaking and, and being steadfast and leading through times of uncertainty. And I pray that you would just bring our church together Lord. there's a time where the world is looking for something anything and lord if there's a time for your church to shine it's it's today Lord, i pray you need us together that we would be that we would be that light we would be looking for the kingdom and lord i thank you for this time i pray that for our people our church family just to go home and, and ponder these things to dig into the truth and and that we return uh, this evening uh, in, in our study and just just hungry to see what you have to say. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.